What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, October 5th. I've got two incredible guests to bring you guys today. First, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville will be here along with viral comedian sensation J.P. Sears. Also, the Biden administration is now saying there is an immediate need for a wall down at the southern border. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, please get down there and hit the share button so we can get as many people into the live broadcast that's important. The view count has been up here, and I owe that all to you guys. So please share the broadcast with everybody in your contact list, and please follow the channel as well. Get involved in the live chat because we got a banger of a show to hit you guys with today. I got two amazing guests, and again, I owe it all to you that I'm able to land guests of this caliber Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is going to be here with me first, and he is an absolute NCAA football, college football coaching legend, as well as a United States Senator. So, so cool to have a chance to chat with him on the podcast. And then after that, I will have viral comedian, stand-up comedian. He does a lot of different satire skits. He's gone viral so many times on social media. J.P. Sears is going to be here with me as well. So you're not going to want to miss this. And I'm telling you, At the end of today's podcast, I am going to drop another guest name on you for next week. It's another United States senator. You're going to be blown away. It's going to be a great interview. I got it it locked in for next week. Find out who it is at the end of today's podcast. I'm going to drop that name on you guys. And right before I bring on the senator here, I did tell you that I would be on Fox News or Fox Business, the bottom line with Dagan and Duffy last night, which I was. So I wanted to share some of the highlights of my appearance there. Now, uh, Sean Duffy was out. Charlie Hurt was in for him. The three stories they had me talk about was Barbara Streisand and her tweet, her anti-Trump tweet that he's working with Russia again. Uh, Also about that emergency alert, that emergency broadcast. I'm sure you got it on your phone yesterday. And the other one was uh, Chicago's restaurants are doing away with the tipping system and just going with a flat rate, adding more to the bill. So those are the three stories I hit on. Here are the highlights. Oh, Alec, when was the last time Barbara Streisand filled up her own uh, tank of gas? Yeah, I don't think that's happened anytime soon. But Babbling Babs here comes out with another banger tweet. And you know what? Maybe perhaps one day when Dr. Fauci's in a prison cell somewhere, he could come up with a vaccine to cure this Trump derangement syndrome because that's exactly what she's got. We know, just like Jimmy said there, this is all because of Biden's war on fossil fuels. And the big beneficiary here is OPEC. All notifications, ringtones. I've disabled everything on my phone and the damn thing went off. They got to be more careful when they do this. Hunter Biden was right in the middle of doing a bump when this happened and the straw (laughs) flew out of his hand. It was a paper straw, though. So it's good for the environment. They they did it two minutes early. The next alert we should get is, hey, we should close. There's an invasion at the southern border. Hey, move out of Democrat cities. That'd be a better alert we should get on the phone, I think.
Isn't it interesting that Russia's alert system was tested as well today? What a coincidence, but no tweet from Babs on that but one. But is this a garbage policy? Yeah, of course. And it's going to get passed on to the consumer. Yeah, this plus the price of the bulletproof glass these restaurants have to put in the windows, right? 40 people shot last weekend despite the highest gun restrictions in the land. But yeah, everyone likes their tipping service the way that it works because we like to get more value. But There's going to be no incentive for the waiters to give you better service if they're not on the tipping process. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to... So cool to get a chance to join Jimmy Fallon on the bottom line. I love when he's there with me. So I hope you enjoyed the clips there. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, especially with Barbara Streisand, the, ter- the Trump derangement syndrome is so rampant with so many of the people, especially in Hollywood. I would say the top top two got to be my top two Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, I would have to say has got to be Stephen King and Howard Stern. Those two, I think I will put up there at the top two. Who do you think suffers the most from Trump derangement syndrome? Drop it down in the chat below and let's see who you think uh, suffers the most from it. All right, so there's a lot to get to here with the Alabama Senator Tuberville, so I want to bring him on right now. And this is a guy, let me give you a couple of breakdowns for those of you who aren't familiar with just how great of a coach this guy was. He left as one of the top 50 winning coaches of all time in college football in in NCAA history. At the University of Miami, he was a three-time national champion. He was the coach at Ole Miss as well, where he was the SEC Coach of the Year. At Auburn University, he was he had eight consecutive bowl appearances. Uh, they, they beat the snot out of Alabama six years in a row. He was also the SEC Coach of the Year there as well. But more importantly, he was the first ever head coach in the SEC to hire a full-time chaplain. Got to honor him for that. He's a man of faith, and that's one of the things, and we're going to get into it right now, one of the top things going on with the senator is that he's got a hold on all of these flag and officer nominations going on, and he is not budging because it has to do with allowing the federal government or the taxpayers, I should say, to be subsidizing abortion. So we're going to get into that and so much more, all right? Let's bring him in. Joining me now is Senator Tommy Tuberville. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. It's an honor to have you here. I know time is tight, so let me hit you with this right out of the gate here. Obviously, we had a historic a historic moment in the House with Speaker McCarthy being ousted. This seems to be largely, in fact, to, to, to the fact that so much money continues to flow to Ukraine while our southern border remains wide open. These seems to be two of the biggest issues that are going on. So I wanted to get your take on that. McCarthy out, Ukraine money being nonstop in the wide open border. Well, you're exactly right about that. But it's also about, you know, the Democratic side. They're more socialist Marxists, and they all fall in line with each other. They don't care anything about the border or crime or anything to do with the American people. Uh, and that's the reason they vote for each other. If, if you vote for transgender boys playing against girls in sports, something's wrong with you, right? Okay, so the Democrats fall in line. But in the Republican side, at least we still have people that believe in America. Now, People fall in line in some areas, but people still fight for, for the things like no more Ukraine money, fight for the border, fight for less crime, do something for the American people. And, you know, unfortunately, this happened, but you saw it coming. You know, Kevin McCartney wanted to be speaker so bad, he just basically signed a contract he couldn't go by. Uh, and eventually it was going to get him. Well, it got him after nine months, and uh, now we'll find another speaker. It's not going to slow us down. I think that. Probably at the end of the day, it will probably help more than it will hurt because it will hold people accountable. Uh, But we need to be accountable more to the people in this country other than the people of Ukraine. Well said, Senator. And you know what? I think just to me as an American citizen here, 
We're sick and tired of seeing the Democrats play this game at a higher level than the Republicans. And it's like we need to start punching back and stop playing. It's the time for being nice is over. It's like we need to get stuff that we want no more. And we're tired of seeing it. So I love the aggressiveness that we're seeing right now. That's just my own personal take. And I think just from the perspective, I think it's an insult to the American people that we're funding this war in Ukraine. And it seems to me it's either Ukraine's going to be World War Three or a peace deal. Pick one of those two. If you're not doing one of those two today, then cut bait and let's get out of there. Well, you're exactly right. We, and, and in the House, they just got to forget about the Democrats because they got a majority over them. And they all they need is a majority vote to get anything done. If they would just work together as a group and talk about the things that they need to get done, get them a good leader that's going to stand up for the American people and for the Republicans and send us things over here in, in the Senate that we possibly could work with. And knowing that, you know, we're in the minority in the Senate, uh, you know, we uh, the the socialist Marxists in the Senate side. And it's hard to get anything through, but we can still work with it. And that's that goes to tell people across this country, uh, the next 12 months is going to be so crucial to what happens to the United States of America. We're in bad trouble. We're in really bad trouble with our debt and all the things that are going on, not just across the world, but just within our boundaries. Uh, you know, we're, we're in so much trouble. We have got to understand what we've got to do in the next 12 months. We're in a revolution. Everybody says, well, there's going to be a revolution. No, folks, we're already in a revolution. It's just that a lot of people aren't speaking out. And I'm not talking about fighting on the streets or anything like that. We got to speak out. And the normal and the people across this country, I don't care if it, who you are, you have to speak out for America. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, speak out for the things that you believe in that have made this country great. Senator, for the last five years, I ran a show called First Class Fatherhood. 700 dads joined me. I never got into politics, but I can't take it anymore because of what I'm seeing happen to our country, especially the stuff that's happening with our kids. And I know that you did that bill to protect women and girls in sports act that you had. It was blocked. Then it got passed. Uh, Then Biden says he's going to veto it. I don't understand uh, from a parent's perspective, even on the Democrat side, any parent that's uh, any Democrat that's a father that would agree to let a man compete against his woman in sports. And they say, oh, it's not that many, so it's not big, de- not a big deal. But once there's one guy in that locker room, it affects every girl on that team. So it does affect a lot more than just that one individual. And I can't comprehend in my mind why parents would think this is okay to not just compete in sports, but share a locker room, share a bathroom. It's out of control. Well, it goes to show you where the Democrats stand. Uh, uh, we've had several votes. And as you said, I had the uh, Protect Women and Girls in Sports Act, which was basically against uh, transgender boys competing against girls uh, and dressing in dressing rooms and all those things. But we've had to vote and we've got one person on the Democratic side and it takes 60 votes count. Uh, Joe Manchin's voted with us almost every time. But I go to, to some of the senators on the on the left and ask them, surely to goodness, you've got a daughter or a granddaughter. Don't you want to protect them? And it just shows you, you, you know, they don't believe in this, but they're going to vote against it. Because they fall in party line. They want power. They want the opportunity to to continue to to push America in a direction that it's never been. And so uh, it's it. this is not a small thing, but it is one of those things that just it's common sense. Uh, there's no reason for anybody in this country to think that a boy should compete in a, against a girl. There's no reason whatsoever. But it just shows you how far we've gone over the edge with common sense. 
Yeah, and it seems like, uh, you know, people on left like, oh, just, you know, the nonchalantly, oh, okay, until their daughter comes home and says, hey, dad, there's a guy in the locker room at school now, you know? Then all of a sudden it's, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And then it's like now it becomes a real thing. So when it's personal, I think it matters more. And and, and obviously, you know, since February here, the big thing, you, you've had the hold on the Department of Defense, the flag and officer nominees uh, over this taxpayer-subsidized abortion care uh, or abortion policy here. President Biden said it's totally unacceptable that more than 300 officers are having their promotions held up by one senator. It's a disgrace. What was your response to that? And what's the latest here uh, as far as it goes? Yeah, we're going on 250 days of holds. I think it's probably a record here in the Senate, but I don't care. I told them when they did this that, you know, this is a controversial subject, abortion. Uh, they're changing it with a memo. Now, in 1984, Joe Biden and the Democrats passed this uh, in the Senate, and it was signed into law that the military could have abortions for the three exceptions. It has not been abused. There's been no problem with it. But because of Roe Wade went down, they can't handle the states. They think they can handle federal employees. So now they've put this uh, memo out. And I told them, I said, listen, I speak for the people of Alabama. They want a vote on the most controversial subject in our lifetime, which is abortion. Uh, I'm not going to allow you to do this with a memo. And if you do it, I'm going to hold your generals and admirals as a group. Now, they can do them one at a time. And uh, I said, I'm going to hold them. And I'm not changing my mind. I, I think they thought I'd last about a week. Well, we're going on uh, about nine months. And uh, I'm still not going to change my mind. I don't care what they say. They're going to do it the right way. And they're going to give the people of this country a vote on this on the Senate floor or we're not going to change it. Right. And amen. You know, God bless you for doing this too. the U.S. Constitution. Um, you know, it does not grant the right to abortion. So I don't understand even why this is an issue to begin with here. Uh, and, and so what is it going to take? What, what is the next step that has to happen here, Senator, for that to, to this to get resolved here for the vote? Who has to bring it? How does this come to a conclusion here? Well, again, I'm not holding up all nominations. They can do them one at a time. But right. Chuck Schumer doesn't want to do that. Uh, he wants to do four or five, six hundred at a time. I'm not allowing that to happen. Uh, the only way I'm going to change my mind is if they write up a bill that they want, change it the way they want. But first of all, they got to move this back the way it was, what we've done for 35 years, which is they, there had been one complaint. Move it back the way it was. Let's vote on what they want to do, and we'll take whatever is voted on. If it's voted uh, uh, to the positive, we'll change it. If it's voted negative, we'll, we'll keep the policy that we've had for 35 years. That's all I'm asking for. But, you know, they want to – they want to dictate. They want to dictate from the White House and the Pentagon. They don't believe in democracy anymore. They think that they've had the power. And, you know, this is the first time in three years they've been told no. And are they really riled up? And, but I could care less. You know, I'm having Democrats come at me right and left, but they said I don't like the military. Let me tell you something. You know, my dad died on active duty. Uh, I, was a, I was a military brat. Uh, there's nobody cares any, anything more about the military than me. And I'm going to stand up for this country. And if it takes uh, keeping these admirals and generals from ever getting a promotion, hey, I'm good with that because I think we've got enough people in the military as it speaks. And you know what? It's so important to protect that right to life, uh, Senator. So, I, again, I, I love the fact that you're doing it and standing up for the unborn because far too many people are, are, are way out of control when it comes to this issue. I know it's a contentious one, but sometimes it's so vicious the way that the pro-choice movement comes at it, spiking bloody dolls like their uh, trophies. It's out of control. So I love the fact that you're standing up for the right to life. Not enough people are doing it in this country. And I know that obviously you're a legendary uh, college football coach. You brought the you know, you had the 
first chaplain, a full-time chaplain, come into the SEC. Faith is something that's been really just destroyed in our country. God has been removed from our society, and the fathers have been removed from our home. And those two things, Senator, in my opinion, are crushing this country. The fact that our family has broken down and our faith has been destroyed. If we can restore those two things, I think we restore the country. 1995, I started the first full-time chaplain at the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, and did wonders for our football team. Now, uh, 30 years later, almost every team in the country has a full-time chaplain, not paid for by the university, but paid for by private funds. Uh, when we took God out of our country in the 60s, we threw the Bible out of the schools in the, in the 60s. When we tried to separate uh, you know, man and woman from being a nuclear family, it has totally destroyed uh, what we've had and what we had for 50, 60 years before that. So it's it's a shame. Again, the Democrats could care nothing but but about power. That's the reason they're pushing this. Uh, it's I, I do not understand how anybody can go with this. Over 50 percent of the kids now have one or no parent. And I'm telling you, the, the moral values that comes from, uh, you know, the past of what we had of church and and things that we could do in sports. Now they're trying to get into sports with this NIL and uh, Taylor Swift being at this uh, right. NFL game the other day with all the Swifties or whatever they call themselves. It's just a, a continuous attack on the things that the people endear the most in this country. It's freedom and it's the right to do what you want to. And it's the, the ability to have the opportunity for religion in your family and in your school. We've got to get the Bible and, and prayer back in our school. If we don't, we're going to be in huge, huge trouble in the future. You're right on with that, Senator. And I wanted to get your take just because I think it's one of the most explosive stories in college football, and that is Deion Sanders. I did an interview with Deion Sanders on First Class Fatherhood. This is a guy that's bringing faith now to the forefront. He is a believer. He's somebody that that, that preaches it to his students and his players, and it's it gotten a major, major headlines. And I think anything, any time that a man of faith is being you know publicized like this, I think it's good for everybody. What's your take on Deion this year? I think it's really good. I really like what Tua Tongalova said the other day in, in his press conference in the Miami Dolphins, and even some of the media covered that. Uh, you know, sports has such a, a stage for positive things to happen. Uh, I've known Dion for a long time, great athlete, coached against him when I was at the University of Miami and he was at Florida State. Uh, I think he's done good things for Colorado, but I do not like the things that he talks one way and then he brings a lot of these leftists from Hollywood standing on the sideline uh, I think that's a bad example. Uh, again, people look at, you know, these people from Hollywood as, as, as something like idols. And uh, our only idol is God himself. Uh, but I think Dion, he's done, done well. He's, he's gotten energy put back into that football team. I think it's going to be hard to maintain. Uh, it's going to be hard to, to continue to push that. But I really do like the way he's talking about God and a lot of things he's doing in prayer and his, in his, in his, uh, in his football team. And that point about two, I, I, I teach a CCD class at my, at my local school here. And uh, I played that for the class this week about uh, Tua talking about how he prays all the time, prays on the sideline. I love the fact, and I always tell these kids when they first come into the class, who won the Super Bowl MVP last year? Patrick Mahomes. What does he do before every single game? He gets on his knees and he prays. If, he, if it's not too cool for him, it ain't too cool for you. So I, I try to use that. We need more of these guys to be that kind of shining light to say, hey, they're not afraid to wear their faith on their sleeve. It's so important. So last thing, what's your pick for the national championship this year while I got you? Well, I tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's up in the air. I think for the first time in a long time, you know, Alabama's not as strong or dominant as they used to be. Georgia has won the last two years. They played 
my home team, which is Auburn, last week. And Auburn came pretty close to beating them at home. I think I think the the two teams that are going to be odd man out uh, that I think are going to have an opportunity this year for the first time to really get over the top is Ohio State and Michigan. I think it's going to be a a race between the Big Ten and the SEC. But it all goes down to injuries at the end of the year. Who's playing? Who's playing the best? There's not a a dominant team. I think because the NIL kids moving around so much. I think Oregon's really doing well too. I, I think there's going to be several teams that's got a chance. Do you miss it? Oh, I miss game day. Uh, the rest of this stuff I don't miss. Of course, I'm up here in the in the clown show now in D.C. and it's uh, it's it's different every day. Uh, I'm dealing with a lot of people that that uh, don't have anything uh, know anything about sports, uh, but they don't also don't have a lot of common sense either. But uh, <laughs> is what it is. Well, I love what you're doing. God bless you. Keep keep fighting the good fight, Senator Tommy Tuberville. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time in the Alec Lay Show. Thank you. God bless. All right, such an honor to have Senator Tuberville right here on the Alec Lay Show. Honored that he would stop by. I appreciate a few minutes of his time. I love what he's doing down there in Washington. We need more guys. He's just as basically uh, what you see is what you get. He shoots right from the hip. He's a man of passion, a man of faith, family guy. Uh, love what he stands for. So let me know what you thought about this interview. Hit me in the chat down there. And uh, when I come back, I'm going to hit you guys with a quick spot. I'm going to be back on the other side with comedian J.P. Uh, JP Sears. So we're going to change the tempo up here. Uh, he is one of the funniest guys around right now. He tapped into this huge market that is available for conservatives here. You know, so many comedians have been canceled. And quickly forget that there's 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump. There's a humongous marketplace out there that's being ignored uh, by the liberal left-wing comedians, especially the late-night comedians. J.P. Sears, I think, would be phenomenal if he had a Tonight Show of his own uh, to compete. But he doesn't need it. He's doing very well for himself with social media. He's got over 3 million followers. Uh, I'm going to bring him on in just a second and hit you guys with a quick spot. Be right back with J.P. Sears. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family. Welcome back, guys. Don't forget, at the end of today's podcast, I'm going to be announcing one of the guests that will be joining me here on The Alec Lay Show next week. It's another U.S. senator. Find out who it is right after today's podcast. All right, so like I said before the break, J.P. Sears, stand-up comedian. Uh, he's got some of the most viral videos. Uh, I remember all during the pandemic watching his stuff. It was hilarious and just basically common sense stuff, but he does it with a deadpan, and it's really, really good. As a, He's got over 3 million followers. He's got a brand-new book out with the Brave Book series. His is called The Snap Fast Challenge. 
The Brave Book series is one of the best book series out there, especially for you young parents out there that are just having kids or just about to have kids. Get involved in the Brave Book series. It's a book club that you can join. You get one book a month. It's all these different conservative authors that do the books. Dinesh D'Souza, who I've interviewed, uh, Jack Posobiec, all these other guys that I've had a chance to talk to uh, and uh, do interviews with, but they're all part of this book series. They all write one. Kirk Cameron is another one. So, so many of the good ones. So if you want a good book collection, if you, if you have somebody in your family that's you're going to a baby shower, anyone having a kid, get them a subscription to the Brave Book Series. You won't be disappointed, I'm telling you right now. So let's bring in J.P. Sears, and let's do this. Joining me now, J.P. Sears, welcome to the Alec Lace Show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Alec. Well, it's an honor to have you here. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of what you do. I love your comedy. I love your style. And I, I've been saying for quite a long time, JP, that there's a wide open market for comedy that's geared in another direction, that's not afraid of the woke culture, that's not afraid of the cancel culture. And it seemed like nobody was willing to tap into this huge market that was just sitting right there. And uh, you've tapped into it, my friend. So um, how is the, how's the comedy going for you right now? Man, it, it's a dream. And I, w- I, I would love to sit here and say, you know, Alec, I'm so intelligent that I created a plan. I saw an opportunity in the market where there's not very much in the way of comedians who are pro-freedom, just kind of like, you know, not woke. So I decided a great business opportunity is capitalized on that market. Now, I'm not that intelligent to have a plan, but as I'm just following my heart, clumsily stumbling along, and my heart, of course, wants me to speak about freedom, speak about you know, people being connected with God, people stop outsourcing their perspectives to the news and the, the woke mob. It's uh, what I've delightfully found is, there's not very many of us and it's just beautiful. It's really good for business and any young comedians out there, if speaking about freedom is authentic to you, do it. Like there's not very much competition out there, unfortunately. And, you know, what, what I've done interviews with, like, uh, Steve Harvey, Howie Mandel, Jim Brewer, these guys, and every one of them, when I asked them about the cancel culture, you know, Steve Harvey said right away, your cancel culture has killed comedy. And he watches certain things that he says because he doesn't want to get involved with the censors and involved with and, and that. That sucks that you have to, you know, kind of have the, the microscope on you and you have to be afraid of what you're going to say. And so I would think that being able to now say, hey, you know what, I, I don't have to worry about the woke mob and the cancel culture because I'm not gearing my stuff towards you. It kind of gives you that freedom that you're talking about to be able to to say what you feel. But it's a shame what cancel culture had done to our comedy, because just like that thing with uh, Mayor de Blasio uh, eating the uh, hamburger and fries at 1030 in the morning, telling you to do it, you could get a free burger with your vaccine. That would have been a huge Saturday Night Live skit years ago, but it's almost like they're so afraid to touch it because of all the the woke and the and, and the cancel culture. Yeah, you know, cancel culture, obviously it's real. And I, I think it's better called cancer culture because it's cells in the body of humanity attacking other cells in the body of humanity in a non-productive way. Yet something I have learned about cancel culture is it only works if you consent to it and how people consent to it is they fear it. And once you fear cancer culture, as in you fear you could lose what they could take away, 
money, status, reputation, things that inherently don't really matter, you know, when we're on our deathbed. But when you fear uh, what they could take away, now you, you've you just said your vows to cancel culture. You are in this marriage of obedience of, cool, I will do my best to conform to what it is that won't have you ragefully trying to ruin my life and my career. But we can see so many examples where people don't consent to cancel culture, which makes them uncancelable. Dave Chappelle, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, I've got my version of that. So it's certainly an, an intimidating force in our world yet it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz, you pull the curtain back and you realize, oh, this isn't some big powerful thing. It's just like a guy behind the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, and but those guys, like you know, like Rogans and the Chappelle's, guys like that, um, I, I think obviously they, they, they've established themselves. They're not worried about it because they have their following and their audience is going to go with them no matter where they go. It's for those guys that are coming up through the pipeline who are trying to make the name for themselves are so afraid because if they if they do it now, they can nuke their career before it ever gets started. And they don't have that fan base yet that they've developed to bring them with them. So I think I think that's really what scares so many of the guys that we may never see or their full potential because they're so afraid of being who they really are because of the because of this entire cancer culture. I think we're losing out on some probably great comedians because they're just so afraid of that, especially on the left. If you're a left side comedian or, or, or you know, a Democrat uh, voting comedian we're probably never going to see those guys at their full potential because they're so afraid of everything that they're going to say so we're missing out on maybe the next dave Chappelle. when we'll never know it yeah you know that's right you know they're because they're afraid of having their career nuked they're never letting themselves truly be themselves which means they're nuking their own career the best thing a comedian can do is you beat yourself, which means you expose the surface area of who you really are to the world. And then those who are, uh, you know, resonate with you, they're going to become a fan. They're going to watch you. But you, when you don't let yourself be who you are, you are nuking your own career. You're not letting yourself live up to your full potential because you're afraid of cancel culture hurting your ability to reach a full potential. It's obviously an unfortunate situation, but I think a lot of people are basically canceling themselves to protect against cancel culture. And they cancel themselves by not letting themselves be themselves. The number one principle in comedy, the most important thing is the truth principle. You have to tell tell the truth as you see it. That's the basis of reality of any good joke and you exaggerate and add a bunch of fun stuff to it so but nonetheless i I certainly understand why some comedians are intimidated in a cancel culture it's something that you know for me in the beginning of course it's scary you uh, this is very scary but then as time went on i just realized like oh it's more dangerous not to be myself yeah, I love that, JP. And I know right now you got the new book out through the Brave Book series, which is a series that I love. I've had so many of the authors. I've done interviews with so many of them. Uh, the Snap Fast Challenge. Uh, break this down. Uh, the new newest book here in the Brave Book series. What's it all about? And what can the readers expect when they get it? Yeah, well, you know, first off, I think reaching the minds and hearts of children, it's the most important thing any of us can do because there's so much competing mental ideas 
trying to get into our children's minds. And unfortunately, a lot of that is uh, what you and I might say is dangerous. Gender ideologies, critical race theory, it's just a mess. So I think children not only need to be protected against those dangerous ideologies, they also need good alternatives that aren't just going to be neutral, but are actually going to have a positive impact. So uh, the reason why I wrote the Snapfast Challenge is I wanted to share with children and families all around the world the number one lesson that I try to instill in my son, which is be in touch with your heart, your critical thinking as well, and then have the courage to follow it. So the Snapfast Challenge, it's a, a children's story to bring that message about peer pressure. You see the consequences of betraying yourself in the name of succumbing to peer pressure, but you also see the positive benefit when you're true to yourself and you're immune to peer pressure. And why this message, by the way, is so important to me, the last three years uh, in our world, uh, really, we've seen so many adults, people who appear to be adults, succumbing to peer pressure. Now, the adult world, what we've seen with all this, uh, I might call them crimes against humanity, how that peer pressure plays out, it's obedience. And nobody's going to have a good, happy, fulfilled life when they're betraying themselves in the name of being obedient to whatever the pressure is that's coming at them. So, because I see this as a major problem in our world, the best way to solve the problem is before it begins. And that's why I want to bring this message to children where they can have it from the outset. Like I said, it's the number one message I wish to instill in my son. So that's why I wrote the book so I could share, share it with other families and children around the world. Yeah, and, and the Snap Fast Challenge, the link to it is down below. And it's not just the, your book. It's a part of this Brave Book series, which I think is such a benefit to so many parents, uh, especially to give them something to offset all this crap that's being thrown at the kids. And one of these things, and JP, like I said, I, I got four kids, and the peer pressure stuff today is a lot different than it was uh, when I was growing up. When you were growing up, I mean, it was, it was a, it's a totally different type of peer pressure now because most of it is coming from online and social media. And where I, I've to my knowledge, none of my kids are on social media now. They, if do they have my if do my senior in high school does he got a Finsta account or something? I I, I don't know. I'm tr- taking him at his word, but as far as I know, they don't have these social media accounts. But we're seeing these TikTok challenges that these kids are doing. Young ages, middle school kids are doing these TikTok challenges. Some of them are ended up dead because of it. I mean, it's it's like it's not like fooling around. Some of these pranksters, we just seen that guy get off. Uh, on the charges, but these pranksters, they're going to such extreme to do these pranks. The one guy got shot and he's lucky he didn't get killed, but it's like some of these, these social media, TikTok challenges, whatever you want to call it, you could call it peer pressure, very dangerous to kids right now in our country. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. And that's why we frame this story in the world of social media, uh, because that's that I, I agree. That's a significant area where this challenge shows up different than when you and I were kids. I mean, when you and I speak for myself, we watched VHS tapes. We didn't have computers. We didn't have social media. And not to sound like an old man sitting on the porch reminiscing about the good old days. 
Yet looking back, I can see we, you know, growing up, it's tough for anybody, but we had it pretty good. I wouldn't want to be a kid nowadays with all the social media and the pressure, the the bullying, the peer pressure that happens through it. So I, I think kids need guidance in that realm because social media is not going anywhere. As parents, we can have good discernment about when we allow our kids on social media and for how much, for how long, yet it's going to be there at some point in their lives. And going into what can quite frankly be a battlefield, not equipped without training to have a solid sense of self, without having training to have peace of mind, without training to understand uh, when someone has bad intentions and that's not someone you really want to govern your life, you know, it, it's not a good idea to go onto that battlefield ill-equipped. So hopefully this book can be a, a positive light for some kids because, man, I wouldn't want to be a kid nowadays. Yeah, and again, the, the SnapFast Challenge link to the book is down there in the description below. I, I wouldn't either, JP. And I think one of the biggest problems, too, and, and I harp on it all the time, is is the fatherless crisis that we have in our country. The nuclear family has been broken down. So you have so many kids that are growing up without that father or father figure in their home. And so now that peer pressure, especially from the street, from your friends, becomes more more vivid in your life. And you start going in the wrong direction. And you don't have any of that discipline from that father figure to kind of pull you back, straighten you out, just wait till your father gets home. There's none of that. So now you're just at free reign and you're being governed really by the kids in the neighborhood who a lot of them are coming from no father in the household either and what's going on on social media. So I think that too, those two things married together uh, is really wreaking havoc in in so many countries, uh, so many cities in in our country. It really is. And man, uh, uh, my little boy, he's three years old now. I never comprehended the vast importance of a father being in the home or at the very least regularly present in the child's life. Like theoretically understood, like, that's probably a good idea, probably important. But since I've had my little boy, I've been so awakened and realizing the, the this is a precious soul, so impressionable, so needy, so needy of guidance and, you know, we're humans. If we have our needs and if our needs aren't being met in a beautiful, supportive, loving way with both mother and father, we're going to get our needs met the best way possible. And sometimes that's through destructive ways. And we'd say, well, that's a terrible idea. Well, we're going to get our needs met. It's like if you're starving to death and moldy, rotten junk food is the only option, you're going to eat that. And that's what's happening a lot with kids compensating for an absent father, unfortunately. Yeah, very well said, JP. And also, too, with the absence of of the father in the home, we also have the absence of the heavenly father in our society. So faith has been removed. And that is another tremendous part of why we're seeing just our society fall apart. I mean, there's no way you can remove the the family, the the, the father from the home and have no God in your society and think they're going to have positive results. It's impossible uh, to see those two things be removed and then expect there to be some results. So unless those two things, unless we get back to our faith, back to God and then back to our families, we don't really stand a chance. We, we, you know, I talk, you know, I, I focus so much of my show, my other podcast, First Class Fatherhood, 700 dads I've interviewed, always just stayed away from the politics of it. 
but it, it, it seems like right now it's gotten so far out of control. That's why I've jumped on to do this show, because our parents in this country, they're under attack. The, the, the parents are the underdog in this country right now. And I really think it's going to be the parents who are going to step up and really save this country going forward. Because if not, we're in a lot of trouble here, JP. I agree. I mean, right now, uh, there's less than uh, polite society people messing with the Cubs. And when you mess with the Cubs, what happens with Mama Bear? I mean, you awaken this fierce force of nature. So though I'm 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 so disappointed and I don't endorse uh, groups messing with kids and with all these ideologies and you know, trying to get in the way, you know, let's get the school system between the kids and the parents. I don't endorse that. It's a curse, but there's a blessing within the curse. And that blessing is a lot of parents are being awakened to come to the table with their, their fierce protector mindset and their loving heart. So uh, I, I think you said it so well. I also do believe it's going to be the parents that really move the needle with where we need to go. So people can live as free, sovereign beings. Yeah, and I pray to God it happens sooner than later. And we are seeing it. You've seen a lot of parents all across America just leave our kids alone. It's too much with this indoctrination. They keep saying, oh, it's no big deal. And then why are we even discussing it? Why is my uh, second grader got to learn about, uh, you know, anal sex? Like, what, what is this all about? You know, and it's all of a sudden that if you're against it, oh, you're banning books, you're, you're a Nazi, you're a book banner. And it's like, what are you talking about? I don't want the porn in the classroom. That's it. And it's like they, they, they make it out to be something that it's not. And it's really driving so many people crazy like myself. And I know the other thing is, too, JP, is like now we're seeing this whole COVID thing come back. I know you had some brilliant sketches going on back when this COVID thing was going, especially with the masks and the whole bit. But it's like now we're starting to see it come back again. Are you going to have to are you going to pull back into the pipeline there? Are you going to have to repurpose some of that content? I mean, oh, what, what's going to change here for the fact that, we, you know, I hope not as many people are going to fall for this this time. Yeah. You know, I, I I think so many of us knew uh, in their playbook, whoever they are, but the uh, elected and unelected leaders trying to run things, we all knew they were going to bring it back. And like, well, uh, spoiler alert, there's an election. So don't think too long or too hard about that. So a lot of us knew it was going to come back. And I'm I'm quite honestly surprised it took them this long to start to re-ramp up their desires to control through the justification of COVID. So yeah, we're going to have to recycle a lot of the content. And also, just like you said, I'm, though I'm not excited for, you know, what they're trying to do, I am excited to see the difference the difference in obedience versus the difference in sovereignty I mean, there were it, spring of 2020. If you were calling this out for what it is, you know, you were kind of alone. There weren't, I mean, there were freedom loving people all over the country. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you were kind of like, dude, look at that crazy guy. You just, uh, you hung his child without a mask on. That is, but is he suicidal? Is he? So many people have woken up the past three years. It's taken a lot of people a long while. There's been a lot of awakening happening. So uh, my devious little part of my brain is just looking forward to sitting back and watching people not comply. 
watching people exercise their God-given freedom, watching people exercise their constitutional rights rather than obediently surrendering them. So the boy who cried wolf, he's cried wolf many times over the past three years. And uh, some people will still believe the boy, yet I don't think nearly as many will. No way. I think a lot of people have, like you said, waking up and realize that we've been bamboozled. You know, we've been hoodwinked. And, and to your point there, too, like in that spring of, of 2020, my wife and I were just walking down the street holding hands and a car pulled up and was like, that's true love right there. Like and, and it was like because we were holding hands and we were like, what is, what is going on? And it was like there was it was that time period where it really was just like a uh, it's going to be studied, I would imagine, for decades to come psychologically of what happened to people uh, during that time. And it was just amazing to see. Uh, and I know right now, obviously, the Snap Fast Challenge link to the book down there in the description below. What else you're working on, JP? What do you, what do you got? Any special? I know you got the the um, the podcast going, Awaken with JP. What are you working on? Any projects? Anything else coming up? You know, uh, the uh, something that's new in my radar, I, I've now got an exclusive show uh, that live streams on Rumble every Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. Central Time. It's called Lies You Can Trust. And uh, it, that show has been so fun for me to do. You know, I open with a newscaster satirical segment and then it cuts to me, you know, just me riffing on, you know, talking about the latest news, things that I think are either relevant or interesting to freedom loving people. So that's been a real joy. And and then, you know, I'm touring, doing my stand up comedy all over the place. So as of now, my and then the the kids book came out so as of now my plate is so full that i'm not trying to add anything new i'm just trying to you know keep up with you know, really all the amazing things i i have a privilege of doing well, God bless you for what you do, JP. I love your content. I love your style. I got the links to to the book, uh, to the Rumble channel down there in the description below. Uh, it's been an honor to have you down here for a few minutes. So, JP Sears, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show. Heck yeah. Alec, thank you for having me. And keep speaking your voice. God gives us a voice for a reason, and it's to speak our thoughts, speak our perspectives, represent our heart with words. So you're an important voice, my friend. Keep it up. Amen. Thank you, JP. All right. So cool to have JP Sears on the Alec Lay Show. I'm a big fan of his. I highly suggest getting JP Sears' new book, uh, The Snapfast Challenge. The link is down there in the description below. Really appreciate him giving a, giving me a few minutes of his time, giving us a few minutes of his time. I should say, let me know what you thought about the interview. Hit me in the chat down there below. And one story that I did want to hit you guys with uh, before I leave you is just how crazy it is that now Alejandro Mayorkas who has been telling us time and time again that the border is closed, the border is secure. Over and over again, we've heard that. Here he is right here talking about it. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open. Our borders are not open. Okay, so now what do we hear? Well, here, look, I put it up here on the board from the Washington Times. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said Wednesday, there is an acute and immediate need to build border wall in southern Texas and issued an order waiving some of the country's most iconic environmental protection laws to speed it up. So what are we missing here? This guy's been telling you the border's closed, border's, border's secure, don't worry about it. Now there's an imminent and immediate need to build a wall. 
So what's changed here? Donald Trump's been asking to build a wall. When Donald Trump asked to build a wall, you all said that it was racist to do something like that. And you said we don't have the money to do it. We had the money for the Ukraine stuff, though. But so what changed here? Why is my workers all of a sudden saying, oh, gee, we, you know, we really do need to build a wall down there? Something more to it. Now, obviously, we're coming up to the election cycle. Uh, Donald Trump's been on. Uh, he's in New York City right now on trial. We're, and it's going to be the election season. So is this the reason? Are they going to say something like, hey, let's start paying attention uh, to the border because we're really losing a lot of points in the polls because of the border? Is that the play? Or is the play that they were told and they made a deal? Hey, if you bring some attention to the border, we'll give you more money for Ukraine. Could that be the reason why we are seeing this all of a sudden change of heart from Alejandro Mayorkas at the border saying we need a border wall? I ain't buying it. Something's wrong here somewhere because it is too little too late. The wall needs to be built, and it should have been built during Trump's administration. Always got pushback, always got problems with it. Everyone made fun of them, and now we see that we cannot uh, allow this to continue because they're overrunning the country with illegal immigrants, and and this is part of the plan. But maybe there's a number that they capped and said, okay, when we get to this many million, uh, we'll start to cap it. I don't know really what is the point. What do you think is going on? Why all of a sudden the cry for the border wall? Is it because the election is coming up or is this a plan to get more money for Ukraine? Those are the two options that I see. All right. So um, I I did want to hit you guys. I promised you if you stuck around to the end of the podcast today that I would hit you with a guest for next week. One of them that I will have on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live here on Rumble Senator Rand Paul will be joining me here, and he has got a new book out of his own. And this one you don't want to miss. He sent it to me. It is called Deception, The Great COVID Cover-Up. So we are going to get into his book, what he reveals in the book. And uh, we're going to be talking about this entire scam that was COVID-19, the vaccine, the whole bit. We're diving into it. Will Will Fauci ever be held accountable for this? What do they have on him now? Rand Paul is the guy that's been on his ass from day one. So it's going to be great to have on the podcast. Don't miss out on that. I hope you guys will bring it back. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Let me know in the comment section down below who you would like to see me interview next. Again, I couldn't be getting all these guests without you, the watcher, without you, the listener. I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Please, if you could do me a favor, all I ask is that you follow me here on Rumble. And I do have the channel, the Alec Lace Show channel that I'm trying to build up as well. So if you follow me here, the First Class Fatherhood page, you'll also see the Alec Lace Show channel. Please follow both if you could. I know it's a lot to ask for, uh, but it is. it will definitely help me boost this channel up as big as possible. You guys have been great. Again, if you're listening on one of the uh, podcast apps, please hit me with a rating review as well. Greatly appreciated. Thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, again, let me know in the comment section who you'd like to hear, what you thought about the show, what you'd like to see next. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I will be back here on Tuesday, as I said, with Senator Rand Paul. That one's going to be a great one, so don't miss it. God bless all you listeners out there, you parents, our first responders in military. God bless America, and I will catch you guys next week.